0: minimum of 4 lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due $35 per line connection charge applies ctmobile.com it is time for the latest edition of zero pucks given our uh, hockey podcast here on Sports Radio WEEI. Joining me today is a uh, Nesson colleague, a guy that I uh, work with doing the games, along with Billy Jaffe and Barry Peterson and Andrew Alberts, and a former Bruins goaltender to boot, Andrew Raycroft is with us. Thank you for coming in. It's good to see you again.
1: Good to see you, Dale, as always. We
0: don't spend enough time no. together uh, You no. know, during the course of the night job, so we just <laughs> no, come in during a, the day job, too. Six hours a night. Let's. Uh, for people who don't know the background, I mean, obviously you played here, played in Toronto, Uh, But how did
1: you end up back here doing what you're doing now? The simple answer is my wife's from Foxborough. That's a simple answer. (laughs) um, There was no way she was leaving Boston for more than an extended period of time, other than to follow me around the world. Playing hockey, so that was the deal. Including Europe, including Europe, yep. yeah, Italy and Sweden. So, uh, so yes, yeah, so we bounced around, but Boston. My kids were born here, uh, all three of them. Two thousand nine was my oldest son was born. So we've basically been here all summer since two thousand nine, and uh, it's a great place to raise the kids and grow up. When we
0: came calling, when Nessun came to you and talked about joining the the telecasting crew is that something you'd been thinking about or talked about or
1: it, it hadn't been at all um and it just happened that i was doing some brewing stuff at, you know some of the clinics and, and just being around and carrie collins kind of mentioned it to to Nesson that i was around and i went in and did a speech you know did the what do you call it like the audition i guess it would be um just went in and talked and then um, you know, I didn't really think much much of it. They called me in for a game. I did the, the first weekend and struggled through it, but got through it and, and enjoyed it, and uh, now I'm trying to get better at it. Did you actually
0: think when you were working with... With like Billy Jaffe, you were going to get to say anything?
1: (laughs) Well, that was the one good. The uh, the first, the first time around, it was easy to uh, defer. I was deferring. Yes. No, there's no deferring. (laughs) There's seizing.
0: My former partner Michael Holly used to say of Billy Jaffe. Jaffe would sit there before the telecast and say, I'm gonna take yo minutes, I'm gonna take yo minutes, I'm gonna
1: take yo minutes. He gets cranked up. He does. He's uh he gets passionate and he's he's into it. So uh I've I've learned that and, and now I just need to be a little more uh Aggressive, I guess, if that's I need my point. That's the word I'm looking for. If I need for, my point, I You've got to seize those yes, minutes from him, because he ain't a, giving them no, to they're you. they're not coming out.
0: It's a pretty active alumni association around here. We'll get to the current team in just a minute, but yeah. uh, it's a pretty active alumni association around here. In fact, as we're recording this, uh, you and... Other members of the alumni association are headed for Edmonton. You're going to play in Red Deer, Alberta, and some other places. That's more active than most, isn't it? Maybe the Canadians are like that.
1: Yeah, Canadian the, the Canadians and the Leafs are, are certainly the most active, um, just because they're in Canada and those opportunities. There's just so many more. But yeah, certainly the Bruins have a very active uh, alumni. That's um, that I'm I've, I'm super lucky to be a part of. It's 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 pretty cool uh, to go off. You know, on a trip with Ray Bork and hang out with him in the van for eight hours and hear stories with him and Nifty and uh, and all the guys. So uh, yes, we're off to Red Deer. Um, there's eight of us, I think, going out there. So we'll have uh, we'll have a good time, quick trip out there. And uh, but it's been it's been really cool to go and play the, the games, even in this area. It's kind of like my beer league. And you know, I really look forward to. Getting out of the house and hanging out with the guys, and, and maybe having a beer afterwards with them in the beer league. You don't wear the pads, do you? No, I don't. Not. Now, do the alumni make you? They say, "Sorry, kid, you got to play goal." Uh, only for the big game. So I, I play forward with Reggie. Reggie and I up front because um, I know Lemlin ain't putting the no, pads on. No, no, back. no, no. He's he he put them on for the the alumni classic game. That was and yeah. that was it. You know, he got his 15, 20 minutes in for that, and he's like, "Here you go, kid." Uh, so so I played then. I played against. Uh, the Flyers up in Portland had a game last season. So if we play like another team, whether it's the Canadians or, you know, and they need me to get in there because I'm basically the only younger alumni goalie uh, to keep it close, then, then I'll do that. But otherwise, I try to resist putting them on. I
0: picture not when you 're playing like the Flyers or the Canadians alumni, but I always picture some of these alumni games where you get some guy who's a little cranked up and oh, those are Bruins guys, oh look there's Rick Middleton, you know I played a little hockey in my day and and all of a sudden he starts dancing around out there. There are ways to handle that,
1: right yeah, usually, usually one of the senior. Bruin's alumni will, will pop his head either it's in the dressing room or he'll, you know, stop by the bench and say, Hey fellas, you know, this is why we're here and let's not uh let's not push the envelope here. We don't wanna get anyone hurt, especially when they're you know, uh, the ba- the bad and T- Terry O'Reilly comes out, Taz is the best. He doesn't have a helmet on and the guy's buzzing around, it's like, guys. You know relax so so and and he, of all of them, if he did oh, no, suggest, no, no, no. Oh. if he did suggest you know you might want to calm down a little bit, <laughs> I would calm down a lot yeah. he is he is the best, and he is still very intimidating, uh he is an intimidating human, so. It's uh, again, it's a blast. But yeah, it does come up probably, let's say one out of every five games. There's a there's one line or a couple guys on the ice that that need to be kind of told to pull it back a little bit. And let's have fun.
0: Because if if many of you guys wanted to and I I, I say this all the time, I would like to I've always said I'd like to have the talent of the worst player who ever played Major League Baseball ever, because that's a hell of a lot more talent than I ever had. So, no matter how good these guys are, they didn't play in the NHL all of you guys did. If you
1: wanted to, you could win every game 20 to nothing. Within within reason, obviously, we get, you know, we could have an older lineup against, you know, 20-year-old kids skating around. The the skating around will probably, you know, outdo us, but certainly moving the puck and and the way we play the game is is uh, much different than than what a normal, you know, guy is normal or used to playing. Uh, you know, especially I played we played this weekend in Winthrop and I mean, I don't even I mean, I don't really know how to play forward. I don't really know how to play center, but You don't know how to play hockey is yeah, what Yeah, I'm saying, a, goalie. Right? You know, That's right. That's a goalie, It's completely different. It's a sub, subsector. But Ray gave me a pass through the middle. That I thought had absolutely no chance of making it and, and, and it landed did it perfectly on my <laughs> stick, like I couldn't screw it up and I, I i as soon as I got it, I was like that was incredible and, and no one would probably notice it, but it it was absolutely incredible and so so yeah, Ray you know he still skates better than everybody, so it's is he the awesome. best
0: player on the alumni team right now yeah,
1: yes. For sure. That Hall of Fame thing sort of counts. Yeah, kind of counts. <laughs> and, and, you know, again, we were in we were in Peterborough and, you know, talking to him after the game. And, you know, you hear it when they, they announce, you know, all the things he's done. And, you know, I never, I guess I never really realized that he was so far ahead of everyone as the most points for a defenseman in the history of the National Hockey League. Right. And, you know, just talking to him after, I'm like, can anyone catch you? And it's basically like, no, someone has to get 90 points a season for 18 years. To be able to get me. And that, no defenseman's that might be got tough. 90 points in like 15 years in the NHL. Period. Let, like once. Yeah. Let alone consistently. So. I mean, you look at, at the numbers like Paul
0: Coffey had when he was part of those Edmonton Euler teams. But he wasn't doing that for 18 years, you know? <laughs> and, he was, and and when he wasn't playing with Gretzky and, and Messier and, and Curry and those guys, the numbers were a little different. Yeah, and Coffey
1: didn't have to play defense either. No, no, he, he was
0: defenseman in name only. Yeah,
1: that's right. He was the rover where Ray actually, you know, had to play up against the best lines for 18 years too. So uh, it's it's cool. It's special for me to be able to hang out with those guys. How many games a year do you guys play? Uh, there's about there's about 20 games in this area, and then there's probably about 10 trips that guys go on. But those trips can vary from anywhere from like two or three guys to, to eight or nine, which is kind of the most. You could go with two or three, and then just fill in sort of thing. Yes, yeah, so or they'll be they'll set up like two or three games where yeah we've, we they they set the whole thing up for charity up there, and we jump on the ice with those guys. So there, there's definitely different levels. Probably you know like Red Deer, we're gonna go out there, and we're just gonna play you know kind of what we do here, where it's for a charity and people. We'll put a team together. Um, last year, I went to New Brunswick, and we went around with the Canadians. So we played against the Canadians in four different places. So those, those did are you reef Nylon? Uh no. N- Knuckles go wa- give it to Knuckles him. wasn't there that trip. Knuckles wasn't there, but yeah, he uh, as whenever I can, he he always you know grabs me by the shoulder at some point. So he's uh, he's a good guy. All right, let's turn our attention to uh,
0: present day Bruins uh, away from the alumni and present day and present day Bruins. I'm curious your thoughts when you've got a team like Tampa Bay that has just sprinted out in front of everybody. They are clearly the best team in the NHL, best power play, best penalty kill. Uh, Nikita Kucherov's going to win the Hart Trophy. they got a chance of having a goaltender. Vasilevsky might win the Vezina. When they're that good, do the rest of the teams in the NHL stand a chance, or is this over?
1: No, it's not over. Just you know, we've seen it before. Presidents Trophy winners, you know, do have a hard time going through and winning the cup. Um, you know, injuries happen. Ask it's the a Bruins. long season. Yeah, that's right. We've seen that up close here. So they're not they're not out of the woods by any means. That being said, they're the benchmark, and they're the ones that you know. There's a, there's what do we got? There's thirteen other teams that are going to make the playoffs that are very excited that the Leafs, Bruins, and Lightning have to beat each other up in the first two rounds. Do you hate this playoff format as much as I do? At least as much as you do. You know, if you
0: think about it, uh, the Atlantic Division is going to have three of the top five teams in the National Hockey League. And two of those three teams will not be able to play for the Eastern Conference Final. Yeah. Two of those three teams are going to be gone before the Eastern Conference
1: Final. That can't be what the NHL had in mind. No, it's a joke. And, and it would be one thing if it was one of the teams, you know, if, if they were going to face off. You know, OK, I get it. But um, it shouldn't end up like this. I, I've always been. I, I was always fr- I was really frustrated when I played. And when we came out with a lockout, they did the same thing where they tried to go division heavy games where we played each other. You know, I played Montreal eight times. And then we would in a short season in a short yeah, yeah. in the it, yeah that's right and you would end up playing like LA once so it didn't or you would play one division you wouldn't even play a division Meanwhile we're playing we're trying to get in the playoffs against Pittsburgh who has the Islanders who stunk the devils who stunk. The Capitals who still stunk. The Capitals stunk, and they played them eight times, so they were able to get points. So I'm I'm really big. I think the conference, it should be one to eight, and the conference, they should play each other the same amount of times, because you're fighting for the same amount of the points, the same playoff spots. It should be equally weighted in that way. Now, is the argument for the present system that, okay, it's an unusual year this year. It's
0: not always going to be like that. But the division rivalries stoke up the fans more. By
1: the way, I'm not even sure that's true. But that's what they say, right? That's that's the argument on the other side. And it it, it really doesn't hold weight because it isn't a one-off. Because it happened last year, too. These three yeah. teams, it's the exact same thing last year. They were three the three best teams in the Eastern Conference. And they beat each other up. And then Tampa lost to Washington because they were beat up. You know, they had to play Boston. and um, So I think, you know, yeah, the rivalry can be some But it's not like... You know, 1962 anymore, where people can't watch the games, or, you know, everyone knows what's going on in the league. You, you, there's not just one TV channel where you can only watch one game. Everyone knows the league. You don't need to know, you don't need to play Patrice Bergeron in the playoffs every year to know who Patrice Bergeron is or Brad Marchand I, You know, he's, he's disliked in New Jersey as, as much as he is in Tampa Bay or Montreal. So, uh, you know, I just think it's, it, it needs to be fair, and, and it needs it, one to eight's great. It, I don't know why they changed that. I will say
0: that and I know Jack Edwards and I have a disagreement on this one. Uh, Jack's wrong, and I'm right. Yeah. Uh, you have to have every team play in every building in the league, in my opinion. And I know Jack wants more division games, you know, and, and you know maybe you don't play in L.A. this year or you don't play in Calgary this year. I think he's dead wrong on that one. I think... Connor McDavid has to at least be available to play in every building in the league. Patrice Bergeron has to at least be available to play in every building in the league. I understand if you're only playing, you know, in Anaheim one game and he gets hurt,
1: well, you lose. But I think you have to play in every building. Yeah, Jack's wrong. Yeah. Yeah, he's wrong. You yeah, have, to, has, you have has, to have that. It has to happen. You know, it, it's one thing in the NFL where you only have 16 games and it's not physically possible. But there's 82 games. It's very easy to get, you know, to play the Western Conference twice you know, if it's an Eastern team, it's very easy to pay them home and away. Let's the guys get on road trips. You know, the players like it that way. They want to be in every city as well. Um, but, yeah, there's no question that that's that's that was bad when they 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 switched from that. And we didn't go to L.A. once a year, you know, and we they didn't get to see Joe Thornton. You know, that that was it was that was bad, uh, bad PR, bad for the league, I think. All right. Let's assume now for the sake of our
0: argument mm-hmm. that the. Well, as we tape this, six Bruins are out of the lineup. Let's assume that they're all relatively healthy uh, by the time you end the regular season and you go into the playoffs. If the Bruins have what they consider to be their normal roster, what's
1: the thing that worries you the most? (sighs) more injuries is that a, is that an answer uh, you know that but that, if they're healthy but, but you if don't healthy, you don't have an area no, where you're I saying don't.
0: oh my god they don't have a they don't have a second line center they no. don't have a scoring wing whatever it is
1: no i think the the organization has enough depth i think the forwards making the moves they made are, are were ideal moves they didn't give Anything they gave up Donato, which you know he's a good player, it could be a good prospect, but he wasn't going to make a difference in the next two months. He's I don't playing think. in Providence. That's right. He it was it was so they made great moves bringing in Johansson, they, Charlie Coyle in the third line. Their fourth line has been great all year. Their first line is obvious. So I think their four lines are great. I think their defense pairs are great. Carlos stepped up in a big way this year. He's really expanded his game and taken a lot of minutes and really solidified that second pairing, which you, you really need. Um, and then the goaltending's been great. Whether it's you know Tuca winning 19 in a row or Halak the way he's played all year, so I, I don't have any concerns. It's going to come down to, uh, and the coaching and the coaching. They're not going to get out coached, you know, Cooper in Tampa Bay or Babcock in Toronto. They're not going to out coach. Cassidy and and his guys, so um, you know it, it's going to be really hard to win. But there's no there's nothing that said there's nothing to be pointing at now that's saying that's why they're not going to win. You know we'll look back and there'll be hindsight and we'll all say well this is why it's obvious. But but right now it's not obvious. I think they can beat Tampa Bay in the second round if they're completely healthy. All
0: right, I'll be a smart ass with the goaltender sitting you know six feet away from me here. Yeah. Uh, you know what the the narrative in this town is. Mm-hmm. You're never going to win as long as Tuka Rask is your goaltender. Mm-hmm. We've seen him play really well in playoffs. We've also seen him play not so well in playoffs. Is Tuka Rask strong enough mentally to take a team through four rounds
1: of a Stanley Cup season? Yes. I mean, he's done it. He was He's done it. He has done it. He got to games. six. He got to, yeah. got
0: six. to six of the Chicago series. <laughs> and
1: if it wasn't for a crazy 35 seconds, you know, he would have got to seven of Which those games. Which those same detractors say were Partly, yeah, if not mostly, yeah, his fault. I mean, I don't think anyone who's you could go back and watch those ta- like the things that those goals were not goalie goals. You know, they they were they were crazy. It was, it was a crazy minute and a half, and everyone lost their focus a little. But anyway, I digress. Uh, yes, the the you know look at last year, and you look at Brandon Holpe. All right, the, makes the most amazing save in Stanley Cup history in Game Two. Paddle back, saves the series. They win the cup. He's the hero. He wasn't even playing. He didn't start the playoffs. He didn't play the first two games at home because he was playing so poorly. They couldn't. You know, he had one win in the last three months of the season. He couldn't win, and that I I use that as an example only because that's how easily it can flip, and that's how easy you can go on a run as a goaltender. And um, you know, I think these nineteen game point streaks by Tuca prove how mentally tough he is. You know, it's hard to do that. Over and over and over again every night, um, you know. But the spotlight's going to be on him, and I understand that. And he, I'm sure he understands that as well. I've never talked to him about it, but he knows that it's on him. And you know, he's going to. You need a few good breaks come playoff time to to make it happen as a goaltender. You've played here. You've lived here.
0: You know the narrative around here. He's one of the most polarizing athletes I've ever seen in the city of Boston. There's a portion of the fan base, Bruins fan base who love one Rask. He's won a Vezina trophy, got you to the sixth game of the Stanley Cup final. Uh, you know, he's a great goalie. And then there's a portion of the fan base here who just hate this guy. I can't quite figure out why they're two
1: such diametrically opposed opinions of the same guy. It's, it's, it is incredible. And, you know, I think there's been times where you could be critical you know, at least in the last four or five years when I've been here, you know, I can't really speak to when I wasn't because I wasn't here day to day. But, um, you know, you can be critical of some of his interviews or some of the way he handles losses. And, you know, maybe, you know, there's there's certainly a culture issue. You know, he's not from here and he's been here a long time. But I think that sometimes that, you know, that's just the way he is. That's his personality. and, And that's what makes him so good as a goaltender that he doesn't get too high. He doesn't get too low. You know, he's not slamming sticks he's not he used to he did he did and it used to be interesting it was it was entertaining was was, as hell. yeah that's right that's right and Just firing stuff him around the ring you know he got criticized for that so then he pulled back a little bit and and he is what he you know he's a mature you know 30 year old Adult goalie, um, and he's but he's just never going to have that same temperament that Tim Thomas had. And I think that's where this all comes back to a lot of times is he gets that comparison to Tim, and they're just not the same people in any way whatsoever. Um, and it but it does amaze me that there's so much to. To both sides, I get that people love him, but i 'm so surprised that you know why, what he 's actually done for anyone to hate him. You could say that he doesn 't have enough to to get you a Stanley Cup, but that, that's, it seems to be a level beyond that. You mentioned the comparison with Tim Thomas uh, because
0: of the way the playoffs ended that year. Sometimes people forget that through the first two rounds of
1: the playoffs, Tim Thomas was pretty plain he was very plain and uh, and then
0: the last two rounds, he was oh, freaking was, unbelievable. That, but, and,
1: and that's where I say where that run where you can go on. It only he only needed four weeks to go on those that run to be you know a god here in town forever. Um. So so that's all Tuca needs, you know, and that changes the narrative very quickly. If he if he wins a cup, you know, there's a very good chance his number goes to the rafters at the end of the day. Do you think so? With he, I mean, he's franchise leader in wins. He is, and yeah. he's got six five more years into him. You has got like a he's, he's got a Vezina. Stanley he's cup. got a Jennings, he's got a cup. I mean, it's it's close. It's more, much more in the discussion than than it is probably right at this minute. There's it no probably, goalie up there. No. There's no 40 up there. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, what the hell's wrong with these yeah, people? That's it. I, I mean, um, I, you
0: know, I hadn't thought about it until you said it, but then, assuming that you want a cup. And that's yeah, a, a big assumption a big here. But... You know, when you've won more games than any goaltender in the history of the franchise, and if you had a cup, and you had a Vezina and you had a Jennings,
1: there's a hell of an argument, argument to be made. I don't know what else, and 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 it would end up being two cups because he did win. He did he, get his name on count. the other yeah, one, yeah, right? Yeah. And he was a bit of a part of the team. Um, but yeah, it's certainly go back. Like Tim Thomas was one Hal Gill point shot away in Game Seven overtime from you know probably never playing again in Boston. Claude Julian was getting fired they're going to blow the whole thing up and then you know it twists and it goes to the goes on to to be the hero so it it it's just a break here and there that that can really make a difference We really need new phones T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new
0: iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month New iPhone 15s You spend over here Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for 25 bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. mobilecom I will say there are times, and you mentioned the way uh, Tuca handles himself post-games. There are times when I'm rolling my eyes listening to him, and it reminds me a little bit of uh, – uh, Let's say David Price, for the sake of Yeah, work. No, that's,
1: that's a great example. Where, where David
0: Price talks about, well, you know, once the ball leaves my hand, I mean, there's nothing I can do about it. Oh, don't tell me that. Make a better pitch. Don't tell me that it's out of your hands. You know, once the ball leaves your hand, it's not up to you anymore. And there are times when Tuca talks post-games, he drives you a little crazy.
1: Yeah, it can, it can happen and I I see that. I I think I understand it a little bit as being a goalie and as having those cameras in your face, you know, 5 minutes after, you know, you don't want to say anything one way, you know, and he might try and overthink it sometimes. Um I know I did that at times when I, you know, you, you just don't want to give anything where you could get get uh you know, get jumped on for saying it, you just want to be teammate. By, by a teammate or by the media. You don't, you don't want to give up fault. And and when really the reality is you should just, you know, be completely honest, say it and, and get out of there. But I, you know, it, it's a tough situation and, and I don't know his, you know, what he's always thinking when it comes down to that, but it's certainly a, a good comparison of sometimes where you, you can just, you know, do it a different way. And, and but I still don't know why you would go all the way to the end to say he, he can never win if just because you don't like the way he does an interview. I will say that within the
0: dressing room, and, and you've been around the team, his teammates love him. Yeah. And by the way, the Red Sox love David Price, despite you know what some fans think of him. And there are fans who don't like David Price a bit. There are some fans who do. His playoff run last year certainly will help turn some of those around. Uh, but within their own. Clubhouse for the Red Sox,
1: dressing room for the Bruins. The teammates love those guys. No question. And, there, and fans should also realize that there's a lot of guys that fans love that the teammates don't love. That, that do a great interview, that say all the right things, but the players behind them are rolling their eyes. You know, like, we're rolling our eyes at some of the, you know, David Price's comments, but there's guys in, you know, in the NHL that I played with that you would you would go home afterwards and you'd see them on TSN or Nesson, and you'd be like, well, what is he talking about? I've never heard him say anything like that around us. Oh, give me a name. No, that's not Come that's on, Andrew, not, give no, me a name. Still, I'm, I want to go to alumni games still. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want some guy briefing yeah, you I when don't you're need out that. there. But, no, that, that, it, is, it is a thing, and I think... You know, at times, you you know, I think, you know, I think he takes that on that the media doesn't like him. So there's nothing I can say. So I'll just say whatever I want rather than changing the narrative a little bit, which would probably be good advice sometimes. I joked the other night on the
0: telecast that I am uh, I'm sick and tired of talking about Patrice Bergeron because I'm out of nice things to say about him. And there are times when I think there are players like that that can cause some people to almost feel resentful oh for god's sake stop telling me what a good guy he is stop stop telling me what a great player he is he's one of those exceptions nobody seems to get tired of talking about what kind of person he is or what kind of player he is
1: no he's you know i, I think i played with three guys that are that good and they're that good of people Um, And and, And Raymond's one. uh, Yeah, and Ray, and I didn't get to play a long time with Ray, but Ray is definitely one, uh, Matt Sundin's the other, and Brian Leach. And and I put Patrice with those guys, that they were just tremendous leaders and people and hard workers and humble, and uh, you go on and on, and there wasn't any, you know, I've said it, like, if you want, I would want my daughter to marry Patrice. You know, that's who you want your daughter to marry. Sean that Thornton guy. said in the, in the book that I wrote, that you were part of too, by the way.
0: Uh-huh. Sean Thornton said, I won't say this again, he said, but Patrice is the one guy I would
1: let date my sister. <laughs> no, it's, and it's completely true. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, that's, that's the biggest compliment a teammate like Sean Thornton could ever give anybody. Um, because you're with these guys all the time, and you get to know their flaws, but with Patrice, his flaws aren't anything but um, being a great person, and uh, so you can talk about him over and over again, and guys won't be resentful in any way because they know it's, it's true. There was the mic'd up segment, uh,
0: and either Patrice's thousandth game was against the Kings, or when they celebrated, it was against the Kings here. I think it was when they celebrated it. And... All throughout the game, there's Kings players coming up behind him, tapping him on the backside. Hey, nice job, Patrice. Hey, congratulations. They bought him, the Kings, bought him a $1,000 bottle of wine
1: and gave to him before the game just to congratulate him. That doesn't happen a lot in this league. No, that's not normal. It isn't normal to to buy another player, especially a thousand. Game. Like there's a thousand games is is special, but there's a lot of guys that have played a thousand games, um, and not every one of those guys got a bottle of wine from from the, opponent, the opposing team. from the opponent. No question. So so that there is a lot, and you know, again, it goes to you know, he's never. He's never judged anybody in the league. He's been around a long time. He's never judged anyone. Never, um, you know, never criticized anybody or anyone out. You know, I'm sure he doesn't like guys that he's played against. But you never, never hear him. Yeah, you never, you never it. say it. You would never know. And he's just, uh, you know, that kind of, uh, you know, you just a, um, just a really good person. You think about it too, because. Uh,
0: You know, now that he's played the 1,000 games and and I think a legitimate Hall of Fame candidate, his number positively is going up into the rafters at the Garden. And you think how close he was to having it all end. One hit by Randy Jones, he loses basically an entire season, and there were legitimate questions. Forget about whether he'd be able to play hockey again. There were concerns about what his day-to-day life was going to be like.
1: Yeah, I know. I wasn't around. I I don't remember where I was playing at that time, but I know I came back in the summer and talking to a few of the guys around and saying, like, he's in a really bad place. You know, like he's he's not good, Um, which in hockey terms is like, well, you know, if you hear that, that's, you know, code red. Because otherwise you would hear, you know, oh, he's doing okay or he's doing pretty good. Right. You know, for, for, me, for me to ask one of the Bruins guys, like I would have heard, you know, for me to hear that, I was, I was really uh, taken aback and, a little you know, nervous for him. But, you know, it's amazing how, um, how close he was. And, and I think at some point when he's done, we might hear more about how bad it was. Knowing Patrice, he's not going to say much about it, at least until he's done because he doesn't want anyone talking about him in that way, especially. But, um, I, yeah, it's, it's it's amazing. And, you know, fortunately for him, the game's changed a lot, and a lot of that's come out of the game, and it's allowed him to have a, a longer career. Ironically, the other guy that all of that stuff applies
0: to is Mark Savard. Mm-hmm. He was in the bad place, and he and I have talked about it since. And he was in that bad place for a long time, and and he's kind of
1: slowly but surely coming out of it now but it was a long process for him. It, well, yeah. So that same trip uh, in November, Savvy was there for one of the games. I played for I got to play with him. Yeah. So yeah, he gave me a few sauce passes that I was pretty impressed with too. Um, I played against Mark and Juniors, and he's a couple years older than me, but we played against each other a lot all the way through. So, um, and we're not too far away from towns. But yeah, he was. You know, he's doing much better now. He's still. He's still struggling. You, know, uh, yeah, he's I, you 100%. know, he's not. He's not 100. He could not play you know, in the NHL. No, not at all. And he, you know, he's he's like, I can finally go and coach. You know, like that's kind of where he's at. And I can finally go and do some TV's because the light doesn't bother me anymore. And you know, that's where these guys get to. And you know, so it's a scary place. And I've got some friends that that played that that say the same things. It's uh, these concussions are, are a real thing. And um, you know, fortunately for for the two guys we've just talked about they've they're finding a positive life now. All right, so we said that Patrice Bergeron is one of the few people who has the exact same
0: reputation publicly. He's the same guy as a player as he is as a person. You know, he he is that guy. The opposite of that is Brad Marchand, who's got a certain reputation as a player outside of Boston, which isn't very good. He's pretty much hated in most cities or around the NHL until he's playing for Team Canada. Then they love him briefly. <laughs> uh, and yet every single person will tell you that Brad Marchand, the guy, is a great teammate, the guy you want to have around, the kind of guy you want on your team. It's funny. He's been able to keep those two things as separate as you could as you could get.
1: He has. And uh, I think he likes it that way. You know, I think he likes that's that's his that's his edge, um, and, and you, you know you you don't really change from when you're a seventeen, eighteen, nineteen year old to whatever it takes to get here. You're always you know you're always afraid of changing something to get here because you don't want to you don't want to not be here. And I think for Marshawn, he has that edge all the time that he's you know he has to play on edge and he has to be. You know, right there in guy 's face, and have something to say all the time to be an effective player um, I he's think he 's a world class chirper he is and he 's very quick, very witty, and very clever and and that alone you know gives you an edge on a lot of guys in the n h l and I think he 's done a good job this year, you know pulling back and realizing that you know you can still play with an edge and not lick a guy in the face. You know there there is a there is a line where any NHLers licking like, of the face is the line. You know, it is yeah, the line. That, like that's... that was like no one can defend that. You know, no, it grossed all of us yeah, out. Yeah, it was too much, and those kinds of things where it's like okay, you can still chirp, you can still take a slashing penalty sometimes, and are unsportsmanlike. That's okay, but you know respect the, the game and the, the guy you're up against a little bit more than licking them in the face. So, but yeah, certainly he's, you know, the, I'll give you two names that people hate here in Boston that I played with was Ryan Kessler and Alex Burroughs. Alex Burroughs especially. Yeah, especially. And, biting and, and, the, biting so, the fingers. Yeah, yeah. And, so th- and those two guys were the, the best. two of the best teammates I had as well. Really? And, and I went to Vancouver. Kessler I could see. I'm not, you're I, not I, selling no, me on Burroughs. You're Burrows not. Inc- you, I'm telling you, if you were sitting here, you would fall in love with them the same way, Marshy. It's exactly the same. And I, I went to Vancouver like, oh, these guys, Like, how am I going to deal with these two all, all year? Yeah. Um, And they were the first two guys I got close to, just from their personality, how much they love the game, how much they love their teammates, and and great family men, great dads, great people. Uh, So, again, you can't always judge the cover, and and Brad Marchand's a good example of that. I was talking to Patrice about it, and uh, a week
0: or so ago the Bruins put out a tweet, and it was during warm-ups at the Garden, and there's the cutest little girl. And she's got the sweater on that's got the number 63 on the back. And the nameplate says Daddy on it. And he skates over to the glass. And he kisses his finger. And he puts it up to the glass. And he says, he mouths, I love you. And I said to to, uh, Patrice, I said, he's going to ruin his whole image here. (laughs) What is he doing? And Patrice said, that's who he is. He's a great family man. Now, he gets on the ice. He's a different guy. But he said that what you saw in that was who he actually is.
1: Yeah, and that's, 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 that gets lost sometimes. And um, when, when you want to criticize, criticize these guys and you go after them as much as we do as, as fans, you, know, you do forget that they, they do have normal lives. And, and 90% of them are great people that, uh, that just are, you know, at the end of the day, trying to provide for their family. All right, let me give you one other guy who I think, like Tuca, uh,
0: has a, a real split among the fan base in this town. And that's Zidane Chara. He's six foot nine. He's 250 pounds. I swear to God he's got one percent body fat. I mean, he is one of the most amazing physical specimens I've ever seen in my life. He could literally go out and play 30 minutes in tonight's game and, and be fine afterwards. We've seen him out there literally play the last three minutes of a, of a game. And yet there's a portion of the fan base in this town. That just can't stand him. You gotta get him out of here. He can't play anymore. Now I can tell you
1: within the league, it's like that man is a
0: beast. But there's a portion of the fan base who can't stand the guy.
1: Yeah, and that one that one is you know, again, goalies can be polarizing in, in all cities and and you know, especially in big markets. But for anyone to, to question Zidano and where he's at, is that is crazy to me. Um, obviously, in town, we hear about another athlete that's over 40 that's he's pretty, pretty good. good, too. Yeah, he's pretty good. But he couldn't do what Chara's doing in, in, in all respects to how... Oh, know. no, what Chara's doing... From a
0: physical standpoint, is much more impressive than what Brady does. Yeah, physically. Now Brady is the best quarterback who ever lived. I'm not. Yeah. That, that's not I what I'm saying. I know it's
1: sacrilegious to talk, but, but, but
0: from a physical standpoint,
1: yes. what Chara does is more amazing. No question. And you know he's still he's still the best defenseman on the Bruins. I mean McAvoy's does his thing, but at the end of the day, you know they're not going to win anything unless Chara's playing twenty twenty five minutes, killing penalties, and because he's big, because he's so long. It, it can look awkward at times, especially now, as you get older. It, yeah. It's just, it's not ever good. It never really looked pretty. He did get through it. He was there in the two, when he won the cup in 11, you know, 2009 to 2013, where, you know, you didn't really notice him because he was so good. And so, you know, that was in his prime But now is, you know, he'll fall down. Sometimes you're like, well, you know, it, when he falls down, you know, the, the building shakes, yeah so it it's different, um so I think sometimes that it can look awkward, or you know some of the plays he makes it's like, wow, that didn't look like an N h l play when reality is he just has a stick that's seven feet long and his arms are everywhere, and he's just a large, large guy that it looks awkward but but for what he does for this team still, and what he's done for the organization for twelve years now is uh it, it no one no, as much as Patrice has done, no one's changed this, turned this around like, like Zidano. He's the third best defenseman
0: in the history of the Bruins. And oh, by the way, the first two yeah. are both in the Hall of Fame, Number 4 and number 77. By the time Brad Park got here, he was kind of a shadow of his former self. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I'm, I, I mean no disrespect to Brad, who I love, yeah. but he was not the same guy when he got here as he had been previous. I think this
1: guy's the third best defenseman in the history of the team. Yeah, you'd be right, and, and from what I can think of, um, you know, certainly, yeah, certainly since Ray, he's by f- far the best, and you know, I guess since Or, it's Ray and Zidaneo. Yeah, I don't think there's anyone close. And again, what they've meant to this team, and you know, the way they play now, and the culture they have now, comes down to to, to him coming here in 2006. It's been one of the hallmarks of this organization, if you think about it, and I've
0: thought a lot about it, you know, from Or through Park, who was kind of the stopgap, through Raymond, and then to Zedano, this franchise has always had that cornerstone defenseman, that, you know, all-world defenseman. Even though Park wasn't the same as he was, he was still, you know, Hall of Fame
1: caliber guy. They've always had that one guy. Yeah, and it's... uh... There's not many franchises that have had that could say, you know, they just to have one of those guys, let alone three in the last 50 years. I mean, the franchises just don't have that. So so the Bruins have certainly been lucky to have, you know, Zidane around and and whenever he's done, which I'm, you know, it doesn't look like it's going to be next season. Um, you know, whenever he's done... When those
0: minutes disappear?
1: Yeah. Well, off that, when that coach is having to fill those minutes from some with somebody else? Yeah, the people are going to be saying, you know, probably you know, when he goes away everyone's going to be a little more fond of what he's done and appreciate a little bit more. I always said that about Raymond, too. Yeah. You know, when when Raymond leaves,
0: when, when Bruins fans don't have that presence out on the ice, they're going to realize
1: how much they took it for granted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no question. And and, you know, they were lucky to get charred, but you could easily be sitting here now and saying, man, when's our next Ray war coming in 20 years later? Might not be one, another one of those. No, All right, before we,
0: we wrap this one up, um, you're a. Pretty normal goaltender. I mean, I got to be honest, <laughs> goaltenders are weird. Yeah, you're more normal than most. I can remember Robbie Moore, who was playing in the Flyers organization when I was with the Maine Mariners, and literally threw up in a garbage can before <laughs> every period. Would throw up before the first and throw up before the second. And guys, yeah, you know, it was part of the game. It was uh, Robbie's going to go throw up before the before the games gets going here. Why are you normal when so many other goaltenders aren't?
1: Um. I'm not sure, I or think, you're not normal, and I just no, don't know I, any better. Yeah, I, I'm certain. Yeah, I'm, I'm able. Maybe I'm able to like brush it off more. But no, certainly we all have. Uh, all goalies have our anxiety issues to a point. There's no question about that. Um, when my daughter was playing high school and college hockey all the way up through,
0: as a parent, I felt the worst. For the goalies' parents, <laughs> the poor goalies' parents are like they're just living and dying every minute. They pass that
1: on to you guys, don't they? Yeah, exactly. My, yeah, my mom and dad—they got to the point where they just stopped watching. It went from watching the games in person to watching them on TV to turning the volume off on the TV to just—I'm nah, not even can't even watch anymore. I'll just you know get the score when you call me after the game. But um, I, there's just a lot. Of, there's so much pressure on the position, obviously, um, you know, and you feel responsible for 20 guys in the organization and the fans and you know you just have so much responsibility and you can turn the game with, with one bad goal and it's always the negative you know you can make a couple good saves but if you give up one bad goal you're still going to lose so uh there's always that in your head, and that's what makes it hard to sleep the night before. And the guys who you know, are able to play a long period of time get used to that feeling and, and embrace it. And, but it's always kind of there in the back where you know when you let uh, 20 teammates down. It's, it's, a, it's a lot easier to do that as a goalie than as a centerman or a defenseman. Do you have a fight in the NHL? No fights in the NHL. Not one? Not one. No,
0: no Byron Defoe, Olaf Kulzik
1: moment? No, that moment. was the classic uh, one. No, a lot of, I mean, the second half of my NHL, all the, there's, I don't think I had a bench clearing brawl in the NHL or even a five on five. The one time it was, <laughs> so I was called up, we were playing in Phoenix and end of the game, I think it was Joe. Joe did something down at the other end. We were winning. He had f- some stick issues yeah, early in his exactly. career. Yeah, exactly. This was in 2002, so this was still he was, early Joe. He and, was doing dumb you know, things when, with a stick yeah, early on. He was he was bigger than everyone. And he you know he felt like he could beat everyone up and uh, something. Yeah, we were in Phoenix and we were playing Sean Burke and everybody got into it down at the other end and I remember like kind of looking like. Do I have to go... Because like, it was still at a time where I didn't know that I had to go and like, grab him if yeah. he got involved, where meanwhile the guys on the bench know I'm a young guy are like, stay in your Oh, they're net. telling you that? Sean to... Burke's like the toughest guy. Well, he's that's, huge, He's too. huge, and he could throw, and he was tough. So guys were telling me, like, don't worry about it. Don't <laughs> worry about it. Stay we in, don't want Andrew to go get, get his ass net. kicked like at the other end. They knew I was like 150 end. pounds. I was just going to get destroyed. No idea what. They didn't think I knew what I was doing. So um, that was that was one time I remember where everyone bailed me out. They didn't need me to go and uh, help out. It's like Barry Peterson joked that when he was playing
0: on those Big Bad Bruins teams, when, when there would be a line brawl out there, he said he'd have five guys grabbing him because they didn't want anything to do with anybody else on the ice. Everybody's going after Barry. <laughs> I'll right. take him. I'll take number 10 over here. That's what yeah. it would have been like for you for a big brawl. It's like, yeah. let's go after yeah. Raycroft. Get
1: the little guy. Yeah, that's right. That's that exactly. guy with a number
0: one, go get him. Yeah. Well, it's been uh, fun talking hockey with you. We get a chance to work, uh, obviously, which is, is fun for all of us. Uh, I'm hoping it lasts a little longer than yeah. it did in the past. I'm counting on it lasting a little longer.
1: I agree. Uh, I, I mean, I, I think there's a pretty good chance that that could happen. I mean, I think they've... I feel good about them. I, 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 you know, Tampa's a big one, but I, I, I think being that far of an underdog suits these guys okay. You know, I think they'll embrace it. And, you know, you, you, with Patrice and Marshawn and Chara, you know, they're a tough out.
0: Well, this has been another edition of Zero Pucks Given. It's uh, sponsored by Red River and Star Market, the official supermarket of the Boston Bruins. Uh, my guest has been Andrew Raycroft, former Bruins goaltender, but now my, my colleague on Nesson. Thanks for taking the time to come in. I'll see you over at Nesson. Yeah, you will, though. Thanks. Thanks. Andrew Raycroft joining us. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours.